Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to their spellbinding edition of the Rider Rumblings podcast. I am here with the clanking Murray McCormick and the ailing Murray McCormick, but he is uh, good enough to appear with us, even though he's battling uh, the sniffles or something of that nature today. Uh, hope we both survive this one, Murr. Me too. I seem to be my bi-week tradition, come off a bi-week and end up with a pretty miserable cold. So I'm going to try to get through people. I apologize if I... Uh, Hit the mute button. I hope I hit the mute button in time before I unleash a few sniffles and coughs. So be patient, folks. Well, I'm getting a few sniffles and coughs from people today. Yeah. I, I wrote a column that was filed Tuesday morning on leaderpost.com and our various properties uh, saying that uh, Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day should return. Some people are saying that as a result, I should not return. <laughs> and some people agree. Um it's it, it's one of those story one of those one of those um, angles though I don't think had I written the opposite I think I would be getting a fair bit of disagreement too uh, it's it's uh in in it's one of those angles I think where there's really no right or wrong an opinion I'm not sure it's divided but there's certainly a uh, I think people who feel strongly on either side what do you make of all this Mur? Well, as I keep stumbling back to that 4-1 start thinking, man, would we ever be at this point of the season with two games left that we're talking about, you know, whether how secure the jobs are, Jeremy O'Day and uh, Craig Dickinson. We never, never imagined that. And your column handled it very well today on that aspect of, uh, you know, back then we were, we were planning parades almost. Not quite. They were 26 and nine. Yeah. If you, if you, if you look at it, they lost their first two games in in 2019. After that, they were 26 and nine, carrying through the four and one start this season. How do you go from 26 and nine to um, they should be dismissed? I just don't see that. That's what I do. Also, and this maybe stretching out your. Who do they replace them with? Too are there are there many guys out there to replace them with right now? And I I, I think I'm on your side with this column. I've waffled a lot though, thinking. Something has to happen, though. There can't. There has to be consequences for quarter one great <laughs> Eskimos head coach. Uh, there has to be consequences for what's taking place this year, and I think there has to be some changes for what's taking place this year. I'm with you. I don't think the changes necessarily have to happen at the top. I think they have to happen down at the lower levels. Maybe bring in another offensive coordinator again, which creates another controversy. But I think there has to be consequences. But I'm with you. I think. 
O'Day and Dickinson should get another shot and should get another year to get in a more, hopefully a more normal year without COVID, without uh, stomach ailment, without the Garrett Marino distraction, which you and I both agree was probably the turning point of the season, without Duke Williams being, you know, acting his way and maybe having a, a normal football season and seeing what they do then. I think it's a be an overreaction to get rid of them right now. But same token, as I said, there, there has to be consequences. You, you can't just stay at the point where they are now. They have to bolster the offensive line right off the bat. That has to be a priority from the top right down to the bottom, bolstering the offensive line. And I think O'Day and Dickinson are the two guys that are probably the best suited to do that right now. Does that make See, I'm sense? Not sure, I'm not sure consequences is the right word. I think there has to be accountability and – I think there has to be an ultimatum. This cannot be allowed to persist. If you look at the majority of their work as as head coach and general manager, it's been positive. The numbers do not lie. So they've demonstrated that this team can win under their administration. Now, I think the the marching orders from from Craig Reynolds have to be get back there, do what you have to do to get back there. I think there has to be an ultimatum. And the consequences would be if they can't fix this, uh, it's at some point in 2023, then the people who are yelling at me today will get their way. Uh, I just I just think that, uh, that uh, considering the body of work, I'm just not sure it's time to throw all that overboard. I don't pretend that either one of them has done a fabulous job this season because, again, the numbers do not lie. But I, I just think there's a recency bias here that uh, that may cloud judgment if it's allowed to carry the day. And I think to the extent that is feasible, I think they need to take a, a long and somewhat dispassionate and logistical look at this and, and dissect why it happened, how it happened. And, uh, and maybe to a degree, say some of these things that, that went wrong were beyond anyone's control. And, and some of the things that happened were totally within their control. Just do a better job. You and I have been there. Uh, we work for Bob Hughes. We work for Greg Drennan. What happened when we wrote a bad story or had a week of bad stories under Bob Hughes and Greg Drennan? Did they fire us? No, we are still doing this podcast. We are here <laughs> decades later. Um, but what were the marching orders? Don't let that happen again. What happened when we worked for Greg Drennan and somebody scooped us on a story? You did not want to come to work the next day. You did not want to pluck a note out of your mailbox. You did not want to answer the phone. Uh, what you wanted to do was, was Greg's old saying was, if they scoop you today, scoop them twice as bad tomorrow. And that was the, that was the do a better job. And he was right. Greg was absolutely right. When we screwed up, we heard about it. When we did a good job, we heard about it. And I think that's almost the mindset that has to apply here. Uh, do a better job. Do a much better job. And if you do, uh, you'll be rewarded with with more longevity. If not, then change is inevitable. Haven't they had a whole season, Rob, to examine what's gone wrong? No, like they, they, we, I outlined them. We, if we can pretty limit the four things that have gone wrong. I forgot to throw in penalties, which seems to have gone. Which haven't been as lately. bad lately. Yeah, they haven't been as bad. But I think because everything else is kind of overshadowed. Now the Denver Broncos are taking them. Every team I follow gets penalized or something. That's true, true. But what a game by Alex Singleton. What a game by Alex Singleton. Sorry. <laughs> uh, where was I? I was talking about how they, they should have looked at the They've had a season to examine. So I wonder how much belly navel-gazing has to take place during the offseason. I think you look back a little bit, and then you've got to focus on the forward. Like, 
they squandered, I think squandered, right, but an opportunity for, for a team that we all thought had the potential to be in the Grey Cup final in Regina November 20th, back before the leaves turned, actually before the leaves turned, back in the summer. They squandered that opportunity. I think they have to do that and look for it and say, this is what we've got to do now to build this team to go forward. And those are the things. Craig Reynolds has to be involved, but I think it's still, this is still a football operations decision. I think that's up to them. It's not as much up to Craig. Craig has got to see the over, overall picture. I think it's more of a, a thing that O'Goday and Dixon have to sit down and say, what is the future we do? to change this because this is not sustained success as a, that is a good little, got that one up pretty well, uh, sustained success. It's not part of the vision of this team. Like, right. Who would have thought the Elks, the Red Blacks and the Riders, who would that group doesn't really belong to that a group is not like the other group. We're all going to be looking up while well, the Red Blacks still have a chance. We'll like be looking outside the, on the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's kind of mind-boggling, and I think there's lots of suggestions on what to do, but I really think they have to look back a little bit and really examine where they have to go forward with this team. And I'll say it again, it starts with the offensive line, and once they get that somehow sorted out, and I'm not saying it's easy, because if it was easy, you and I could probably do it, but they have to start with the offensive line and get some foundation amongst the Hoggies there that they can build forward, and everything else from that point will, will, will improve. That's my thoughts. Well, what did Brendan Tamman do when this team reached yeah. an Adir uh, in 2011? Um, and they'd had pretty good success leading up to 2011, uh, not dissimilar to the last couple of seasons where they uh, they had a solid level of success, didn't win a championship in uh, the first few years under Brendan Tamman or the first couple of years that he was here for, during his uh, return to the Rough Riders, but they... In 2009, they finished first. They got to the Great Cup. In, in 2010, uh, they they got to the Great Cup again and lost. Um, and the 2010 was Brendan Tamman's first year as a GM, succeeding uh, Eric Tillman. And in 2011, the wheels fell off. What's the first thing they did to fix that? They uh, in 2012, February 2012. Hello, Brendan Labatt. Yeah. Hello, Dominic Picard. They drafted uh, Ben Heenan, and uh, and they'll get another high draft pick next year. And, uh, and, uh, they also acquired Xavier Fulton from, from Edmonton. The only holdover of that, on that offensive line from 2011 to 2012. Hi, Candy. Oh yeah. The only holdover was Chris Best. And, uh, my dog is the best. And so I think they're at that point again. Uh, you need some building blocks. You need some cornerstones and they just don't have them right now. And, uh, that's not to say they can't get them. They've just got to be more aggressive. They, uh, Jeremy O'Day found 250 some thousand dollars to sign Duke Williams, uh, during the off season. That turned out to be a, uh, an unsuccessful <laughs> transaction, but, uh, let's, let's spend that money. If there is such a player on an offensive lineman or two, or go find one, they've got Paul Jones. He's one of the, he's their assistant GM. He's reputedly one of the best personnel people in the history of the Canadian football league. So, Again, uh, Paul Jones, find some offensive linemen. Find some offensive tackles. I agree completely. Oh, I wish I had a way of compounding that by saying I disagree with that. But I agree with that. They've got to find this tackles. We're all going to look back on this season. We'll look at the 4-1 start and what was on that. From the beginning of the season, we knew the offensive line was going to be a challenge. And it was. But interesting thing, 
Like we both thought Duke signing Duke Williams was a pretty good idea back in February. Yeah, I wrote that it was a great idea. And they we, needed we a receiver like that. They still and, need a receiver like that. And I, I don't think he's going to play. I don't, I don't know what his status is going to be for this week. I hear, I don't think it's very likely. I don't know what they're going to bring him back for. From two listening games. to Craig Dickinson on CKRM on Monday, it doesn't sound like it's, Duke's plan. No, and it doesn't sound like Anthony Lanier is going to come back. So the defensive line is going to get that boost in a big game, and that's. The defensive line goes back to the Garrett Marino mess on that. July. Say hello to 150 yards for Kadeem Carey. <laughs> yeah, boy, he's yeah. and so Peyton who's the guy's Peyton Logan, I think the other guy's name. The other, the other little running back, he's a good one too. Like Kyrie's going to have something to play for when they play here too, I think. And I don't think it's just going to be a, you know, just. Well, that's not walking. certain. If the BC Lions yeah. win on on Friday night, right. BC locks up second, and Calgary has nothing to play for. So I think there's a reason for Rough Rider fans to be cheering quite uh, strenuously for the BC Lions on Friday. Against the Tiger Cats, that's for sure. So, Rob, just... Tiger, Tiger Tiger Cats play Ottawa. That's right. Uh, I know know that. Uh, Rob... BC's got Edmonton. So what did they do? I've said my thought about, I think, the offensive line is the foundation to moving forward if they keep Dickinson and uh, O'Day stay there. Where do you think they got to start? What, What do you think is a priority... For these guys, knowing that I already taken the offensive line, so it's up to you to find another spot. Well, they've got to address the quarterback situation, and um, they've got to decide whether they're all in with Cody Fajardo or not. And uh, and if I'm Cody Fajardo on an expiring contract, I've got to decide that even if they want me back, do I want to come back here? Um, they basically, when you talked to Jeremy O'Dea not long ago. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm paraphrasing inaccurately, but the response regarding Cody's contract was, well, we'll, we'll talk about that during the off season, which uh, wasn't exactly, we really want Cody back. Um, and if I'm Cody, do I want another year of this? If I have options, do I want another two years of this? If I have options, um, can you be confident of your Cody Fajardo that, this offensive line, this, this, that this regime can give you the offensive line that's going to allow you to, to, to thrive. Are they going to provide you with the receiving core that's going to allow you to thrive? Schematically, am I going to be in a position that's conducive to success? Dare I say sustain, sustained success? I guess I can't because I muff you. <laughs> but uh, um, it just, uh, it's suddenly they're in a situation where they've, They've got to make a decision on the quarterback. The quarterback, quarterback's going to make a decision on them. And and, you, and and what you said earlier regarding head coach and GM, who do you replace them with? Uh, it's probably easier to find a head coach and a GM than it is to find a quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when you – when I talked to Roy Shivers last week, and Roy said he just – the change that he has noticed from when he was a GM is the caliber of quarterbacking in this league. His league has absolutely dive-bombed. And if you look past Zach Kalaros, and if you look past Nathan Rourke, there really isn't much. No. And uh, so I think part of the question during the offseason becomes to what extent do the Rough Riders make a big pitch for Bo Levi Mitchell? And it wouldn't if Jeremy O'Day is back as a GM, I think he will be. You, re, you remember in February of 2019 when they offered uh, Bo Levi Mitchell 700 grand to come here and he almost did. Do they still have an interest? Do they still think Bo Levi Mitchell has some game left? Uh, I'm skeptical. I look at Cody Fajardo's performance compared to Bo Levi Mitchell, and uh, Cody has outperformed him. Bo Levi Mitchell isn't even playing right now. And Calgary has allowed, I believe, 13 sacks all season. The Rough Riders have allowed 66. So 
if you can't get it done behind an offensive line that's vastly superior to the one the Rough Riders have, how much is left there? But you know what? If they sever ties with Cody Fajardo, that's probably where you go to get a quarterback because what else is there? That's right. I, I don't think Bo Levi is the answer. I, I'm, I have, I'm agreeing with you a lot today. Calgary, Calgary doesn't. Calgary doesn't. So there's, there's got to be some reason why he's not their starting quarterback. And Jake Meyer showed his... It showed it last in the last game. He didn't. He wasn't the dominating player he had been. Yeah, his Those interceptions were ugly. Yeah, so you know he's not <clears throat> the, the second coming, the next next graded quarterback. And they and still the, didn't put Bo in. I know. So, <laughs> so why are we? People are so excited about. Look at the track records. You look at the and Bo has a better track record than Cody. We all we understand. Even Cody would say that he's got all the accolades, the great cups, and those things. But well, Bo's based on one season. Yeah, based on one season. Though, if you match him up. I think Cody's better this year, obviously because he's still playing because they haven't had any other options. But well, Cody outplayed one... him last year, and the Riders beat Calgary in the playoffs last year here. So yeah, why is there loving so much loving for another guy? Maybe because the grass is always greener on the other side of the province or the country or something like that. But well, I mean, I... he's Bolivar Mitchell's a recognizable name, and there's some luster to that, and and there's a frustration here with Cody Fajardo. And are you, are are you ready to do, do better? Absolutely. Are you ready to move on from Cody Rob? I know you have a little. No, I, I don't. There. I think I think the the answer is, and it's part and parcel of what you're saying. Um, improve the offensive line, and if that happens, voila! I think you'll get an improved quarterback. It's not really that. Again, I go back to 2011. Uh, Darian Durant playing behind that offensive line. It was rather sad. Um, was there was Darian Durant finished at that point? No, Darian turned 30. Uh, was 20, 29 in 2011 and did not have a great year. And uh, I believe he threw 16 touchdown passes, exact same number that Cody Fajardo has now. Um, now, Darian had a better year in 2020, 2012, and a, and a tremendous year in 2013. And people were ready to throw Darian overboard after 2011. At points in the 2013 season, people were ready to throw Darian overboard. Um, so again, maybe this is a case against rash judgments or judgments based in, on emotion after a bad year. Uh, it would have been pretty easy for Brennan, Brennan Tamman after 2011 to decide they're going to switch quarterbacks too. Didn't do that. And, uh, and I remember in 2011, even 2012, people were saying, yeah, you know, they almost won the Grey Cup, but that was 2019. That was two or three years ago. I mean, that was 2009. That was two or three years ago. And maybe the same argument could apply now when you're looking at Cody Fajardo and saying, yeah, well, his best year was 2019. Uh, and that was three years ago. Yeah, but guess what? They had an offensive line. They had better receiving core. And say what you want about Stephen McAdoo, I think the play calling was a lot more sound. And it was certainly a lot more compatible with what Cody liked to do or could do. So, again, you build, you build a support system around your quarterback. Brendan Tamman did that coming out of 2011. Why can't that be done now? Cody Fajardo was at the same stage uh, of his life and career as, uh, as uh, Darian Durant was back then. Darian turned 30. On August nineteenth, two thousand and twelve, and 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 Cody Fajardo is thirty one on March 29th. And uh, one of the big knocks you and I both heard against Cody is his happy feet. Supposedly, who wouldn't have happy feet behind that line? Who wouldn't be wanting to look to run? And I also think, remember when he started out this season, the Fajardi and Spinorama kind of caught teams by off guard. That's not working anymore. They know he spins to his left when he gets in trouble, and they're ready for that. And that hasn't happened as much lately. So, I think that's some of the things, but. It's all Although it worked in the... Hamilton, he did the spin. He found yeah. Braden Lenius over the top, and before too long, they're in the end zone. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that was a good play. Yeah, and maybe maybe it isn't over, but it, teams are aware of it now, and I think they're also aware. I think with Cody, if you, they try, seem to drop. Hamilton didn't do it as much as much as the Elks did. Drop nine guys in coverage, it seemed. Just force him cover all the receivers and not you'd give up on the pressure and find some way to make him find an open receiver. And he, he couldn't do that against Elks. And that's a credit to Chris Jones. That's uh, numbers though, because if, if you're looking at six receivers versus nine defensive backs, I, I think a lot of quarterbacks are going to struggle Well, the problem in that situation is the teams know they can get pressure with three or four. So they can mm-hmm. put eight or nine back into coverage. You talk about the happy feet. I, I was watching uh, the NFL the other day and guess who's who had happy feet earlier this year, Joe Burrow. Bad offensive line in Cincinnati, uh, and uh, he, he looked uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, he was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, guess who had happy feet uh, not too long ago? Matt Ryan. He uh, ended up uh, quarterbacking Indianapolis to victory last week because he played more confidently in the pocket. So you're talking about one, uh, you know, one quarterback who's on a trajectory toward greatness, and Matt Matt Ryan has been an N- NFL MVP, and they're prone to happy feet. You know why that happens? It's not because they are flawed as quarterbacks. It's because they're after a while you play behind a bad offensive line and you're shell shocked. That's that's not Cody's fault. That is the fault of not of the people who were supposed to put him, put a solid offensive line in front of him, who knew that it had to be done after last season and didn't do it. And yet you blame Cody for being a for a, a response that is symptomatic of a problem that, that was left unresolved. That's preposterous. Yeah. I'm getting in rant mode here. You're in a good rant mode. I'm going to just take you off a little bit of a side to here. So sure. what do we do about, what do we think about the defense now? Like it started off really strong. Like we're, we're, we've been very critical of the offense, the offensive line and receivers and stuff. What's what's going on with that defense? Is, is, is the loss of Garrett Marino, and I'm going to mention his name, people will probably mention it, Garrett Marino and Lanier in the middle, been that much of an impact that the defense is, was good up until after, we'll say after Labor Day, the Banjo Bowl a little bit. Oh, the Banjo Bowl was not great by any stretch, but it seems to the defense has regressed. Is that just the way things look right now? Well, they only allowed 18 points against Hamilton, and Hamilton's yeah. last four scores were field goals. Um, now, the big issue there was uh, consuming half of the fourth quarter, running the football into the wind, which exposed the, uh, the Rough Riders in the absences of Marino and of Lanier, uh, especially of Lanier. Um, without defensive tackles who are up to it, that's what's going to happen. But AC Leonard has gone, I believe, seven games without a sack. Pete Robertson hasn't been the same player since he came back from injury. Yeah. So remember early in the year, and they basically had six defensive linemen rotating through uh, through the four spots, and uh, and uh, it was working tremendously. And uh, they were leading the league in sacks and by a pretty healthy margin early on. But as soon as the, as soon as Marino pulls the Marino, as soon as Lanier gets hurt, as soon as AC Leonard stops producing and, and Pete Robertson is probably not physically the same player he was earlier because of the, the ankle injury. Uh, once the, once the uh, defensive line is no longer there, 
even even a linebacking core as talented as the one the Rough Riders possess can't do what it's uh, what it needs to do, and and the secondary is therefore exposed. So I think uh, injuries and ineffectiveness along the defensive line have just had a trickle down effect effect on the entire defense. Well, linebackers are still good though. Darnell Sankey's I think is 140 defensive tackles. Yeah, 12, 12, I believe, in the last game. But, yeah. you know, and Larry Dean's having a tremendous year and Moncrief's having a, a fine year. But can you say that amongst the defensive backs? Is anybody Nick Marshall will make plays and uh, nobody else in that secondary can. He's yeah. got four picks. And uh, does anybody, does it, Mick Milligan has got one. Mike Adams got one. It was on a Hail Mary. Uh, I think that's it for the, for the interceptions in the defensive backfield this year. And so uh, nobody in that secondary, with the exception of Nick Marshall, is a threat to uh, to uh, not only stop a drive, but send it in the other direction. And you also know and, that Nick's uh, going to have one of those plays where the guy beats him. And that happens to good defensive backs. Even the best get beaten on someone, but some of the guys are 10 yards beyond Nick Marshall. Yeah, but, but at least he's, he, he is going to... I think impact the 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 defense in a, in a in a manner that can can benefit the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the rest the best you can hope for from the rest of them is a pass knockdown. Yeah. So where are we then, Rob? Sec- where where are we on well, Tuesday before <laughs> Tuesday before well, the last second to last weekend of the season? Uh, Come on, call. How do you assess the uh, the the uh, likelihood of the Rough Riders making the playoffs? What has to happen is basically the magic number or the tragic number is two. Any number of Hamilton victories and Saskatchewan losses adding up to two clinches the final playoff spot for Hamilton and eliminates the Rough Riders. So it's pretty, the Rough Riders no longer control their own destiny. Plus Hamilton's got Ottawa back to back and the Rough Riders have Calgary. Now Ottawa has shown in the last couple of weeks that they can be the type of team that can bite you. They seem to be a, a better team under Bob Dice. Uh, and good for Bob Dice. Uh, the interesting thing with the Rough Riders is that if the BC Lions win on Friday night, Calgary is suddenly in third and can't go up, can't go down. Yeah. So that could uh, that could benefit the Rough Riders greatly in terms of uh, a motivation standpoint and who they're on the part of who they're uh, who they're playing, and it may be a tactical standpoint on the part of Calgary. So if BC wins, suddenly those games against Calgary might not be as daunting as as initially thought the way that bc and calgary looked for the longest time it looked like that was going to go down to the final week and calgary might play its final two games while no without uh without either one being able to influence where they finish i think the tiger cats are better than the red blacks so rob i think the fact they ran the ball a little better i think they have a little better defense and i think the red blacks are playing a little bit on the high of having bob dyson he did he did pretty well the same thing he did too when he came and took over for coach in 15 took over as the interim coach And he won the Labor yeah. Day Classic. I think they lost the Banjo Bowl, but he started off pretty strong. They Bob won three Dice, games under Bob Dice uh, down the stretch after that 0-9 start. So you know, Bob Dice has a way of rallying the guys, and I hope that one day he gets a chance to be a full-time head coach. I think he's proven that he's, he's in that role, but he loves being a special teams guy too. So I think that's something that's going to happen. But I somehow feel come Friday the Tiger Cats are going to settle a whole lot of things for us. And that's uh, too bad for the riders, but I don't. I mean, this could be over by Saturday. Um, yeah. You know, if uh, uh, that's 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 the uh, reality facing the Rough Riders. Come Saturday, about eight, about eight o'clock, their season could, for all intents and purposes, be over. And uh, 
but uh, I don't know. Ottawa, Ottawa winning in Montreal a couple of weeks ago made me wonder. And Ottawa played Montreal pretty tough last mm-hmm. weekend. So, and it is the CFL, so you never really totally know because who thought that uh, Hamilton was going to go into Calgary and win? Exactly. What so, uh, and to- what was Calgary? Calgary totally mismanaged the clock there. They have the pass. The receiver goes out of bounds. If he stays in bounds, Calgary goes in and scores a touchdown. I don't think Hamilton has time to to go down and 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 complete the bomb to Tim White and the touchdown pass to Tim White. It was Calgary bungling the yeah. bungling the clock management down the stretch. That I haven't seen that cited as a factor, but as soon as that receiver went out of bounds, I thought, "What are you doing?" Yeah, but it was still two great passes on that. Too. Tim oh White, well, one, yeah, that one in the double. Especially coverage. a great catch on the on the forty-two yarder to White. That was uh, beauty. You know, again, I look at Dane Evans, and a few weeks ago, people thought Dane Evans was utterly unsalvageable and shouldn't be in the league. And he threw five interceptions one day, yeah. etc. Et and uh, I believe it was five. And uh, look at him now. And uh, so, again, be careful about how you write people off. Uh, and I, I guess you could apply that to Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, and you could also apply that to Zach Caleros, who mm-hmm. uh, just just signed a new contract with the Bombers, a three year extension. Who would have imagined that three years ago in October when when uh, Toronto was Toronto traded Kalaros to Winnipeg, and uh, earlier than that when the Rough Riders traded uh, Kalaros to uh, to Toronto? It, it looked like if there was ever a player who looked to me to be done, it was Zach Kalaros. Again, mm-hmm. uh, I guess they, I think that's a there's a cautionary tale to be told there, and just it may seem like you can pretty much close the book on a player or a coach or a GM, but look at the, the way in which Zach Kalaros has resuscitated his career and, and, and great for him. I thought he was done. You thought he was done. I think the riders thought he was yeah. done. And when the riders traded him, I don't recall seeing anybody say or write that there was a mistake being made there. So again, uh, it may seem right now that there's a pretty definitive assessment to be made of Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day. I point to Zach Kalaros and, and Jack, uh, pardon me, Dane Evans' examples uh, to the contrary. Here's a stat that blows me away. Zach Kolaris is 31-4 and four with the Blue Bombers. Four losses. Can you imagine? Can you, when we said goodbye to him and we dealt with him through that season, you never expected a, him to have that in him. Like, two-time MVP, going to be the third MVP, most outstanding player. Who, no one expected that. I, that's just – I think that's a, a – uh, kudos to Zach for coming back and doing that. Kudos for the Blue Bombers for somehow recognizing that, that he could do all of that stuff. And that's just kudos amazing. to the Bombers for putting an offensive line in front of him. What an <laughs> offensive line. That's, yeah. hey, didn't that we start with offensive linemen today? Somewhere that, like, you yeah. look at that offensive line. They really, like, I know Calgary's has, has a few, that, those number of sacks it does. But still, who would, offensive line would you take? In a blink of an eye, you'd take Winnipeg's. They're just so good, so strong, so dominant. I've seen games on TV where Zach's not even dirty after the game. When he even has to shower because no one, no one gets to him. His jersey doesn't get dirty or anything because there's no one ever getting to him. And, you know, it wasn't a very – I think his time in Regina with the Rough Riders was not one of the most enjoyable times of his life. And I think our dealings with Zach were kind of were kind of uh, rough, to say the least. Stra- strange. Strange. <laughs> And I don't think he looks back on those days, but boy, you really got to give it to the guy for doing it. And, and a three-year deal, I think that's that's a big part. We we kind of fought through that strike at the beginning of the season back in training camp. And one of the things that kind of flew under the radar was the guaranteed money that players are wanting. And I'm assuming, you know, we haven't seen the figures for this, there's got to be guaranteed money in this contract for Zach 
for him to sign up for that because he was one of the guys you said, why would you sign for longer than one year given the current labor situation in the CFL? So he must be getting his guaranteed money. He lives in Winnipeg, I think, now most of the time. He's got his family there. Winnipeg has built a culture that's based on winning and being a, a strong franchise that supports players and players want to play there once they're there. So credit to the Blue Bombers for their, the, the culture they created for getting a quarterback like that to stay there for that long. And boy, it's hard to go against them from being here in the Riders locker room come uh, November 20th, eh, Rob? Well, I, I can piggyback off the Bombers though and say, well, 2014, first year under O'Shea and Kyle Walters, the Bombers were 7-11. And and, and uh, you want to talk about a season falling off a cliff. That team was 5-1 and one at one point. Then the Rough Riders went into Winnipeg in, in August, won 23-17 without even scoring an offensive touchdown. And the Bombers just, they, uh, they went in a total dive bomb. They only won two games the rest of the season. They won two games after a 5-1 and one start. These Rough Riders have won four games or won two games after a 4-1 and one start. The following year, they actually regressed. They went 5-13 and 13 after going 7-11. And uh, I think the easy decision then, I think an easier decision based upon the numbers and the Rough Riders are currently facing would, would have been for the Bombers to start anew and, and bid farewell to Kyle Walters and, and Mike O'Shea. What did they do? They they stuck with that regime. And since 2016, the, the winning percentage is astronomical and mm-hmm. they've won back-to-back great cups and they're going to win a third in a row on November 20th. So if that is now... That because it happened there or because it didn't happen there doesn't mean you're going to have the same result here. But it is an example of, again, how uh, how sometimes I think you have to make a reasoned judgment as opposed to an emotional one and, and, and sometimes make an unpopular call. I remember in 2019 when when like I'm also I'm all into segues today. In 2019, Jeremy O'Day signed Zach Claros. That wasn't a popular decision. But boy, does that look ingenious in hindsight. And when when uh, when Jeremy O'Day re-signed Zach Claros, I blasted him for it. Yeah. And uh, uh, and now Cody Fajardo turned out wonderfully as an alternative. But now I think Rough Rider fans are looking enviously at, at Winnipeg, as are fans across the Canadian Football League, and and a regime that that's that was twelve and twenty four his first two seasons is still in charge. And Zach Caleros, whose season, whose career appeared to be done uh, the same day the Raptors won an NBA championship, is now the best player in the league uh, and was, is about to be named MOP for the second year in a row. So, again, maybe there's a, a case here for no snap judgments and maybe uh, taking a bit of a, a, a sober look at things. Well, we can provide that opportunity, but then we still have the opportunity, with whatever they decide to... Uh have our own snap judgments, our own overreactions. But uh, yeah, as we started not for overreactions, there wouldn't be columnists. So I'm, I'm glad there's such as a As how we started this out, not necessarily with the offensive line, but with uh, votes of confidence. How's that for uh, O'Day and Dickinson going ahead? Can we have one of those? Do ours count at all? I'm not even sure if I called it a vote of confidence. I think it was a, it was a vote of uh, competence. <laughs> I, I, I think I argued that there, they have been over the, course of their tenures here are competent i think i don't think you can say that what's happened this season can engenders a ton of confidence in this regime i just wasn't completely assured that the alternative was better and uh, uh i just i just think this is a 
this just needs a refresh or restart and and maybe a, a scenario that does not have some of the uh, forms of adversity that befell this team this year with it, with regards to an inordinate amount of injuries with regards to the the covid outbreak regard to the stomach flu i think i think a lot of people have been dealt a really bad hand that doesn't absolve them but i think it might it might and should buy them some time someone said to me the other day rob the pressure of the great cup may have gotten to them i I kind of think, and I, I lean to this way with O'Day's up. They try to win the Grey Cup every year, just because it's in Regina, adds a little more excitement to it. But they don't. They try to win the Grey Cup every year, and it's not. I don't think it added any pressure. I think it's just the Grey Cup was something at the end. It would have been cool to be the home team here, and uh, that it, it makes the Grey Cup festival is going to be amazing no matter what happens. But I still think it would have been cooler to have the Riders in there, kind of recapture that 2013 season. But I don't think the Grey Cup put too much pressure on them. I think it's just fans thinking that and how cool it would have been. And now we're looking at maybe a really, really, really long shot of making the East the crossover. Yeah, I mean, it is an, an ex, it's an extreme long shot. But And you and I went through that. that You and I did that, tra- that uh, trip once in 2017 together. I still remember your experience in the Toronto, Maple, Toronto Argonauts press box you kept slamming your knee into the uh, stanchion there to hold up the press box which yeah to twice uh, that still, really still hurt. makes me I, laugh I let, so. I let loose with a with a think, with a noise that i think scared some people um yeah, that was, that's still one of my i'm not in a hurry to return that's one of my favorite that, that really hurt i i had a i i i carried that bruise with me for a couple of weeks i know and i, uh, I think the rough riders can still carry that bruise with them because they're still uh they were that close to getting to a great cup that day but still haven't uh, gotten over that hump. Well, Mur, I think we've squeezed this tube as, well, as much as we can squeeze it today. Um, I really, and anything, I really you'd like to, anything you'd like to add? No, I'd really like to cough, so maybe I can't think of anything I'd like Well, to. we'd better go. Uh, for Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Vanstone. If you enjoy the pod- podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me, Rob, at rvanstone at postmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show. You can follow me, Rob, on Twitter, at Rob Vanstone. Murray is, is uh, at Murray. L-P. There. Not the greatest demonstration of diction and elocution I've ever had. I did want to mention to you, and I, I know we already read the outro, but I said, what a game by Alex Singleton last night. I've, I actually didn't even realize he played for the Broncos. I didn't realize he moved over from the Eagles, which shows how far much I follow the Broncos, but you know, nearly, what, 19 defensive tackles? Like yeah, and a lot of good it did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was exactly. awful. That was so awful. Oh my goodness! Uh, I just say anyway. no more prime time for the Broncos. No more prime time. <laughs> well, you know how bad it is, Mur. Uh, on Sunday they play the Jets at home, and the Jets are favored. <laughs> so, <laughs> four and four and two New York Jets, and then they go to London to play Jacksonville, and I imagine Jacksonville will be favored in that one too. Uh, I could go on a whole other rant about that mess. Why do teams? <laughs> Go to the shotgun when they need one yard to go. Whatever happened, when did one yard to go become an automatic passing situation and why? The Broncos last night, they ran for five yards and then they ran for four yards. They had a third and one. So you've just run for five and four, yet you feel like you have to throw for one. Why don't you run the ball for one? Why doesn't anybody run the, why 
Uh, why do they go to the shotgun? And we've seen that in the Canadian Football League. We've seen that with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I don't get it. But my dog is so cute. Look yeah, at her. She's a cutie. Isn't she adorable? That's my rant for the day. For Murray McCormick, I hope you live. Uh, for, for me, I hope I live. <laughs> get well soon. And uh, again, if you have any thoughts on anything we've said here, feel free to contact either of us and we'll be pleased to respond. For Murray, I'm Rob with Candy, and we will do this uh, next week. Take care and have a good day.